Next on Abounding Grace, we'll have a look at some promises from the Lord that will move us to deal with the worldly influences in our lives. This is amazing grace. Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians 7 and get ready for a wonderful time in the Word here on Abounding Grace. God has called us to be separate from the world and live a life that reflects that we've been saved. We're no longer to be living for ourselves, but rather for the Lord. But as we've been discovering lately, there are some very real worldly influences that we need to be aware of and know how to navigate through and around them. That comes to our attention in the seventh chapter of 2 Corinthians. So let's go there now as Pastor Ed Taylor introduces today's talk. Chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians opens up with a verse that could have easily been left back in 1 Corinthians. It's another example. Remember, chapter breaks didn't come in the original text. They were added later, and I think for good reason. It helps us a lot uh, to find things and to memorize things, but they didn't always put the chapter breaks and the verses, uh, were really more the chapter breaks in the right places. So verse 1 could actually be the end of chapter 6 where it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So because it's the last verse really of chapter 6, let's go back just a little bit to verse 11 of chapter 6. And now let's kind of hear that verse again, but let's hear it in the context of where it really belongs, okay? Verse 11, chapter 6. O Corinthians, we've spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you were restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? And what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, this is verse 16, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. These promises he mentions can easily be missed because the last section of scripture that we read, the focus is usually on the very strong warning not to be unequally yoked. And we've looked at this in depth in our previous studies. There's that strong admonition to be careful who you get into relationship with, believer, unbeliever. And be careful as you surround yourself with many friends, believer and unbeliever alike, 
When you come to that relationship that is a yoking relationship, where you are connecting with them, where you are partnering with them, Oftentimes, we'll think of the relationship of a husband and a wife. When you're thinking about someone to get married to, believer, a believer is your only option. And as you're dating and developing courtship type of relationships, how careful you need to be believer with believer. Why? Because what, what fellowship is light with darkness? And what communion has light with darkness? What, um, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? We developed that last time, and that's the warning. The problem is, is that this section of scripture only gets that focus. It's a good focus, but it's not the only focus. Because here in verse 1 of chapter 7, Paul says, wait a minute. Because we have these promises. Remember that word, therefore? Whenever you come upon it in the scriptures, therefore, you have to stop and ask yourself, what is it there for? It's a connecting word. And another way of saying it is, when you think of therefore, you can think of because. It's a cause. Because I've said all of these things, here's a truth to hang on to. So as he's developing the last chapter, the last part of chapter 6, Paul, he says, therefore, because of what I just said, having these promises, beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And if you read through, you go, what promises? All I really saw was a strong warning. All I really saw was Paul supporting his strong warning with quoting a couple scriptures. But it was in those scriptures he quoted that are tremendous, precious promises that I want to draw out for you today as we start our study. As you look back in the quotations here in verse 16 of chapter 6, Here's a promise. The promise is this. God says, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Those are words of relationship. God says, I promised those that turn to me by faith and and repent of their sins that I am going to dwell in them. I'm going to walk among them. I'm going to be their God. We will have a new relationship. Those are some promises. Then he says, come out from among them, verse 17. Be separate. Don't touch what's unclean. And if you do that, here's the promise. I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. I'll receive you. I'll I'll be in relationship with you. These are God's relational promises that will move us now to deal with the worldly influences in our lives. It's not enough just to be strongly warned and just say, hey man, don't do that. And of course, when those places of scripture come up, you're going to get a strong warning from from me at least. And and I know the pastors I'm surrounded with, they're going to give you a strong warning through their own personality and through their own gifting that God has given to them. But that's not enough to stay away from sin. Just fearful of the consequences. It's not enough. You're not going to make it trying to live a righteous life in the strength of your flesh, just afraid of consequences. It's going to help from time to time. I mean, I think that the strong consequences in our society prevents a lot of people from committing crime. Not everybody, but a lot of people. But it's not enough. It's forced upon you. Don't do this. Don't do this, and you won't suffer the consequences. But God doesn't do that. He says, look, I promised you a relationship I promise to come into you, to dwell in you like the temple of the Holy Spirit. I've promised to connect with you. And and on and on the promises, but these in particular, you're going to be my people. And because you're my people, I'm not calling you. You could say this, 
God's saying, because you're going to be my people, I'm not calling you into some man-made religion. I'm not calling you into some outward expression of worship or obedience. I want to relate to you and connect with you and hang out with you and be with you. And through that relationship, you're going to stay away from this kind of stuff because you're going to be so close to me, so enjoying my presence. Like Jesus in John chapter 15, you abide in me and what? I abide in you and you bear much fruit. And so it's not just a strong warning, although when warnings come, you'll get them. It's also, hey, look, it's not a religion that'll move you. I mean, I guess that's not entirely true. Religion will move you with different sets of human-based motives. Religion can guilt you, and religion can scare you, and religion can conform you to some outward standard, but your heart will still be far from God. You'll be doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Now, again, if you're in a place where you're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, continue to do the right thing, but there's a greater level of life for you. There's a greater level of life than just relating to God as if you have to do everything that he says, but never really do it from the heart. And the greater level is that you can do these things from the heart. That long before some pastor, some preacher teaches some warning to you, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you says, no son, no daughter. You know how powerful that is just for those of us that did grow up with moms and dads? But can you think of how powerful it is for those that didn't grow up with a mom or a dad? That God says in this new relationship, I will replace the mom you never had, the dad you never had in relationship. I'll be that parent to you. How does he describe himself? You're going to be my sons and daughters. We're going to do this together. We're going to go through the fire together. And so because it's not religion, but it's relationship, It makes sense in verse 1. It's time to cleanse ourselves where we need it. The filthiness of the flesh and the spirit growing, perfecting, or being challenged, growing stronger, maturing is another word for perfecting. Holiness, how? In the fear of God. Now, the type of fear that you would have to a father or a mother or the type of fear you have to a parent is not the kind of fear that it's, this is the right type of fear. It's not the kind of fear to run away. I know sometimes as parents we may have made a mistake to instill a different kind of fear in our kids, but that's not the heart of God. The heart of God would have us to instill a fear in our children that represents respect and reverence for who we are because of not only what we say, listen parents, very important, Not just because of what we say, but because of the life that we live. We're not just telling them to do it. And if they don't do it, they suffer the wrath of parents. No, instead, we're telling them to do it, not only because it's right, because we ourselves are doing it too. That's the example that God gives to us. We are called to live a life separate from the world. A distinction in our life. The Bible would say, Jesus would say... As he's praying in John chapter 17, don't take, I don't, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you just keep them from the evil one, that you protect them. We're called to have a separate life from the world and at the same time be in the world. Or it's been said to be in the world, but not of the world. The world system, not, not the physical globe, but the way the world thinks and the way the world does things. It, it could be that the, there's so much wrapped up of the world's philosophy in your mind that you don't, you're still learning what the world thinks. 
compared to what the Bible thinks. That's the growth of being conformed into the image of Jesus. You're starting to learn, no, God doesn't see it that way. No, God doesn't do things like that. No, God doesn't accept that. No, God, isn't, that God doesn't bless that. And as you start to learn, you go, well, I want to know how God thinks. I want to do what God blesses. I want to be in that place. I, I, I'm in relationship with him. So the cleaner I am in my life, the more I can enjoy my God. And the Bible says, just jot it down in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It says, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, the world system. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And so we're to separate ourselves from living for the lust of our flesh. We're not to be controlled or governed by our fleshly desires, following our fleshly desires. Now, for some, I need to define what fleshly means. And I could say, more likely you could translate that word carnal, or you could translate that word, that word non-godly, the the way that you think, like for instance, if you were saved um, later in life, you lived your whole life in your flesh, the whole, your whole life. You had no, God did not dwell in you. There was no spiritual life in you. So if you got saved later in life, you can associate right away. When you think of flesh, think of how you lived before Jesus. That's the flesh. And so what does that look like today? Well, before you lived for Jesus, before you lived committed to him, before the spirit of God, you were born again. You're doing things differently now. You're making better decisions. Um, you know, you're not lusting after that guy. You're not lusting after that gal. You're just, just you, you don't steal anymore. All the things that just like, you know, God doesn't bless. The flesh, as for a believer, are those old sinful habits. Think of it that way. You're, you're like, you, you, you do something? Like, like, like for example, um, an old fleshly habit was when you, um, when you were angry, you cussed. Some nasty word. It's the, just that's how you were. That's, that was your language. That was your vocabulary. And now, as a believer, your mouth is clean. You're not using those words anymore. Occasionally, they flow through your mind. Ah, that's the flesh. What are they still doing there? I thought I was born again. I know, but you've still got an old human brain in there. And it's used to cussing. Yes, God delivered you from it. But your pattern, your old sinful habit... Your pattern was to cuss. And so there you are in your garage. I don't quite know this by example, but I'm going to paint the picture for you. <laughs> You're there in your garage making something with a hammer and wood and nails. I know you use a hammer and nails, not screws. So there you are. Dun, dun, dun. You hit your thumb and what comes out of your mouth but the most vile word. You haven't said that word in years. That episode, that moment, was a fleshly moment. It doesn't make you a non-believer. It doesn't make you a horrible believer. It makes you a regular believer. Now, cussing may not be your deal, so don't worry about that. It could be something else. But your flesh, until we're delivered from this body of death, will always be with you. The Bible says that the spirit of God that dwells in you is always fighting against the flesh. The two are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. The flesh is a very common thing. The Bible says that we're to be careful with our flesh. We're to be conscious of it. We're not to be controlled by it. Following after our fleshly desires, trying to fulfill the lust of the flesh, is a one-way road. As you seek to fulfill your 
personal desires in the flesh, there is no retreat. The progress that you make, there is no retreat. You can stop and repent, but all the progress you've made in the flesh can't be undone. Understand that. So it's a bad decision for us to go fulfill the desires of our life with the flesh. It's a, it's a one-way road. The flesh always demands more and more. Never satisfied. Never. It's progressively hungry and eating away at the spiritual growth and the peace of God that's yours by faith. One area of ev- that's evident in this is the sin of pornography. It's a very evident sin of the flesh that's never satisfied. And once you're on that road, you can't retreat. You can stop, but you can't retreat. It's a dangerous part of the flesh. Here's how the dictionary... We, I, I use words so often that on occasion I'll just look it up. I just want to look it up. I didn't always look up words, but now I look them up. I want to know. What's the definition? Listen to how Webster's Dictionary defines pornography. It's printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. Those of you that are dealing with pornography right now, that's your deal. That's what you're into. Can you imagine that being a scripture in the Bible? Being some direction from God? Hey, this is, what I, this is my will for your life. Go and look at printed or visual material contained. Can you imagine that anywhere in the scriptures? Out of relationship to you, our Heavenly Father would never instruct us to go that way. He's given us very clear direction on what to do. As a single person, stay celibate. As a married couple, enjoy the wife, the husband of your youth. And for those of you that are single, I know it's difficult. I was a singles pastor for many years and, and walked alongside wonderful people wrestling with the lack of intimacy in their singleness, but there's that season and you're learning it and one day you'll be able to give us the testimony how you're finding God is able to fulfill even those needs in your life as you wait upon him. He's able to give you a satisfaction that takes away the desire. Amazing how faithful God is. If you go down this road, there's no retreat. There's only, you just got to stop. You can't undo the damage. The damage that you may be doing in your life to yourself right now. Satisfying yourself in a way that is fulfilling your fleshless desire. Your fleshly desire, I should say. You're fulfilling a desire that God put in your heart the wrong way. And you're sinning against yourself. One of the things that I hear often in the topic of pornography, as I'm wrestling with people, I'm I'm very, very grateful for those that would willingly confess and forsake it. But there are some that I have to actually wrestle with to convince them that it's not a good thing. And one of the things that they say, one of the things that comes up in our dialogue, our discussion, is that, Pastor Ed, it's a, it's a victimless crime. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just looking at a screen. I'm not harming. I'm not going down and, and sleeping with so-and-so. And I'm not getting a prostitute. Or not. I'm not gonna, it's a victimless crime. There's, nobody's really hurt. I look at what I look at and, and my wife or, or in my seal, nobody, nobody's hurt. I mean, yeah, maybe I am a little bit of sin, but overall it's just, it's victimless. And that's a phrase I have it j- jotted down here on my notes. I want you to know that there's no such thing as victimless sins or even victimless crimes. There's no such thing. I don't know who made that up, but it's not true. 
there are always those that suffer at the hand of sin, including the beginning with the person that's committing it. You're ripping yourself off, settling for what's less in relationship. God offers you a feast and you're eating dirt. I don't know the last time you did that. Most of you would never choose that. Say, come on out. We're, we got our, ba- our Thanksgiving banner service and there's plenty of pies. But, you know, sister so-and-so brought a bag of dirt. And if that's what you want, man, the dirt's here. Dig in. Nobody's going to eat the dirt. Maybe a kid and we have to take him away. We don't eat dirt here. We got pies downstairs. But you wouldn't do that. But in the spiritual realm, it happens all the time. Now imagine such a dumb, silly illustration eating dirt. But imagine chewing it. And there's a couple rocks in there, and it breaks your tooth. And you're just, even the noise is getting in your head. And it's like just as bad as, as scratching a chalkboard. And, 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 you know, sin's like scratching a chalkboard too, man. And it's like, well, it's a victimless crime. I can take, no, no, no. Sin has victims, including the person that's committing them. You can't tell me it's just images and it's just video. You're wrong. You're wrong, friend. And as I was praying over this, this part of the flesh, you know, many, many weeks ago, I was reminded of that Denver Post article uh, that came out. They did a sting in our country. They did a sting, the, the article titled, and I quote, Child Prostitution, Raids Rescue 105 Children. Remember that? I used it in a previous message. That's why it was fresh on my mind. I was probably preparing this study back in July. And it said, a couple excerpts from the article, it was dated uh, July 29th, 2013. The young people in the roundup, almost all of them girls, ranged in age 13 to 17. The largest number of children rescued in the weekend initiative operation cross-country were in San Francisco Bay, Detroit areas, along with Milwaukee, Denver, and New Orleans. He said almost all the victims in sweeps like the one over the weekend are girls, and that the profiles of the victims cut across racial lines and the boundaries of wealth. The FBI said that the campaign has resulted in rescuing 2,700 children since 2003, and the investigators and convictions of thir- the investigations and convictions of 1,350 individuals have led to life imprisonment for 10 pimps and the seizure of more than 3.1 million dollars in assets. That's our city. That's not. I know San Francisco was mentioned in Detroit, uh, New Orleans, and Milwaukee. But that's our city, that's us, that's the metro area here. That part of the 105 kids between 13 and 17 that were being pimped out um, in prostitution on the streets of Denver, some of them were right here on the streets of Denver, maybe up and down Colfax or around 16th Street Mall or who knows where, I don't know, wherever that stuff is, that's our city. And you go, Ed, what's the connection? I'm not looking at uh, child pornography. You know, those kids grow up. That's all they know. They've been separated from their family and they've learned that they can make a quick buck. They grow up. They grow up and they begin to graduate into other places where they can make more money. And these girls, this trafficking, this human trafficking, which isn't just an issue overseas, but in our own country, are what many pornography companies use when they come of age to produce that stuff that you're fleshly satisfying yourself. We've been in the book of 2 Corinthians today on Abounding Grace. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the epistle. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at calvaryco.church. Just do a search for today's scripture reference. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Well, this month we picked out a resource we believe will really be helpful to your life. It's called Contented in All Things Peace. Many are asking, is this all there is to life? They're not happy, and contentment seems out of reach. There is a way to find peace and contentment in all things. And Pastor Jeff Guype reveals that to us in contentment. So if you've been struggling in this area and really want to experience contentment, this is a must-read. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. You can also write to Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Join us for our next study in 2 Corinthians. That's on the next Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.